think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead. Take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Hey there, welcome to The Tent. I'm your host, Scott Fellman, and it's time for another foray into the world of aquariums from a slightly different perspective. You know, hobbyists who, seem, who breed fishes seem to not only have like this infinite patience thing, but they have a tremendous sense of what to do in many situations. Now, of course, sometimes you'll end up getting awesome results without knowing exactly why things worked. Have you ever had that happen? You're working, you know, with a fish that you really wanted to breed and you tried seemingly every way possible to induce the thing to spawn with no success. You tried environmental manipulation, water changes, switching up pairs, playing with the daylight cycle, switching out foods, etc., etc., etc. Like, it seems like you've tried everything, no luck. Then one day, sometime after you've thrown up your arms in defeat, boom, you look in the tank and there you have some fry. Ever had that happen? It's one of the great mysteries of aquarium keeping. It's not a bad thing, of course. The main bummer is that you often don't know what, if anything, that you did or didn't do, uh, which was the, was the catalyst for this event. It's like you're just scratching your head. And I think it goes to show you that animals often defy our human rationalized processes and sort of do whatever they damn well please. I mean, you could do what the books say to get fishes to spawn, but unless the fish are up to it, you're just dreaming. Or is there something else? I've always felt, and I still do, that one of the keys to getting our fishes to spawn is to examine the natural habitats from which they come. Not, you know, falling back on the generic stuff like, these guys need soft, acidic water, or give them elevated water temperatures, or blah, 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 stuff like that. These are helpful, but they're sort of generic fixes. I can't believe that, you know, that, that this is all we can do. I, I can't help but believe that there's so much more that we could actually gain from really studying the habitats from which these fishes have evolved in, on, uh, over eons. Just doing a sort of a deep dive and thinking through the chemical, physical, structural aspects of their habitat can often yield some clues that you can utilize within the context of your aquarium in an attempt to get your fishes to spawn. Obviously, this concept isn't rocket science. It's kind of what we do. But as hobbyists, we've done research like this before and interpreted it in a way that works for aquariums. For example, annual killifishes and the use of egg incubation and peat moss. That was the key to closing the life cycle on that group of fishes. It's been done for many decades, more or less perfectly, uh, by hobbyists, and it's a perfectly accurate representation of the characteristics of their natural habitat, resulting in successful spawns. Killies are a big success story. There are others, of course, yet annual f- killifishes stand alone to me as an example of a group of fishes that we've literally replicated their natural habitats and life cycle in order to facilitate spawning. However, it seems that we're often barking up the wrong tree by engaging in tricks and hacks that are more generic than specific in nature. For example, what if there were a seasonal water chemistry changes which occur in a fish's natural habitat, like declining pH as a result of more leaves or stuff like that in the water at certain times of the year, or greater oxygen levels, more or less organics, or an influx of you know, trace elements or other substances originating from water from overflowing nearby streams? Could we replicate this process by adding more botanicals to the water, utilizing water of a high, with a, you know, a higher percentage of RODI type water, slowing down water movement, changing the water chemistry in a given, you know, water exchange. We could. Is this the right move? Maybe. 
Now, I realize that some of the fishes that we keep have been bred in captivity for generations under dramatically different conditions than they've evolved under, so attempting to replicate the natural habitats, which your particular fishes may have never been exposed to, might seem a little bit excessive or unnecessary to some. I've talked about this idea before, but do you really think that fishes have evolved so significantly in just a few generations that attempting to keep or spawn them in their wild environmental conditions would somehow be detrimental to them? I don't think so, personally. So where does this leave us, the aquarists who dream of breeding that fish? It leaves us doing exactly what we've done for decades, giving our fish the best food and environment possible, and, you know, hoping against hope that our husbandry decisions result in a spawn. And if they don't, we just have to either stand down or try new stuff or just, you know, keep on going. Duh. (laughs) However, I think it's still worth asking ourselves to consider the reasons why some fishes typically don't spawn in captivity. You know, what is it? Is it a single factor or some combination of factors which contribute to the spawning behaviors of our fishes? Diet, temperature, water conditions, physical surroundings, all these things are potential contributors to a fish's success in captivity. We know that. We could dive deeper. So what is it? Why can't some fishes spawn in captivity, let alone thrive? What aspect of their habitat or what physiological needs are you not currently meeting? Are there some sorts of microbial relations between the fishes and the water in which they reside? Osmotic pressure, specific trace elements, compounds, stuff which is lacking in a typical closed system aquarium environment? Can we provide these things with some sort of substitute? Are there diet-related issues, perhaps some specific vitamins, amino acids, nutrients, or other compounds which the fishes derive from very particular foods, like insects, which are lacking in the foods that we provide? Are there intestinal infauna within the gut of the fishes, which are somehow not, you know, perpetuated in a captive environment, but that fish will, fish will thrive, but they're not, they can't breed? Are probiotics an answer? Is that a lead? Could it be that the fishes are not able to properly or fully process the compounds within their foods that result in maybe specific hormones that are required to induce spawning not being produced, maybe? Is it some combination of these things? Is it perhaps a combination of water chemistry and the aforementioned bacteria? Or who knows? Lots of interesting questions. Potential answers? Well, would it be worth trying to replicate as closely as possible the specific environmental factors from which the fishes hail? I mean, I think so. Would it be worth providing the fishes the exact foods found in their wild habitats? I don't see why not. Would it be necessary? Well, maybe for some fishes. Maybe there's specific nutrients present in their primary foods from their habitat, which provide, you know, the absolute specific nutritional needs required to induce spawning. I mean, sure, you could split hairs and try to hunt down the specific exact insect or insects that your fishes might consume in that African stream from where they come from. Most likely you won't be able to obtain them. Uh, Or more likely and practically, You could perhaps use a substitute from the same family, for example, bloodworms for certain other insects or ants or whatever. I suppose it's a matter of how far you want to take it. The reality is what makes the tropical fish hobby so enjoyable is that eternal quest for knowledge, that pursuit of a goal. And, you know, to unlock the secrets of those seldom, if ever, you know, captive spawn fishes, that likely means going beyond the brine shrimp, black worms and water exchange thing. Yep. Might involve a deeper dive. Asking some seemingly fundamental questions, questions which on the surface, it seems like we sort of tackled before, but maybe not quite in as comprehensive or focused a manner. It might involve setting up or managing aquariums in ways we haven't even considered before, accepting different functions, aesthetics, and applications in our tanks. Frustrating though it may be at times, I don't think I know a hobbyist who would rather take up some other pursuit, you know, instead of aquarium keeping, do you? I think so. In the meantime, 
Let's keep asking those questions. Let's keep looking for those answers together. And sometimes they're right in front of us and sometimes they're defying all efforts, but it's certainly worth the journey, isn't it? Stay curious, stay diligent, stay excited, stay bold, stay relentless, and always stay wet. Until next time, this is Scott from Tenant Aquatics. Thanks so much for spending part of your day with me. I look forward to seeing you on the next installment of The Tenant.